Do you struggle to find answers to your pelvic health problems? Do you feel silenced in your quest to just feel better? Women, girls, sisters, if you have experienced infertility, PCOS, incontinence, painful periods, sexual trauma, and so much more associated with the pelvis, then Women's Pelvis Wellness is a place for you. Me and experts from around the world are joining here to get you the answers to the holistic health that you have been seeking. Please join us in being a pelvis wellness warrior. Hey everyone, thanks for joining me today on another episode of Women's Pelvis Wellness. Today, my guest is Tamara Green and her brand is Below the Skirt with Tamara. She is a pelvic floor physical therapist in South Carolina. And um, like so many people in our field or the you know, more natural healing uh, methods or, you know, when we're really super passionate about it, something personal kind of led us into that. Um, so I just wanted you to share your story because I think it's really impactful and I think it's important. Um, and then obviously share with us, you know, your professional path as well. So thanks for being here with me today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here, Amy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for those who are tuning in. Again, my name is Tamara Green and I am a public physical therapist and I help women overcome uncontrolled bladders, return to pleasurable sex because, you know, sex should be good. Right? right. And manage those pregnancy symptoms to become a postpartum champion. So, yes, I work with women. But guess what? Men have a pelvis as well. Right. right. Um, so I work with men, too, specifically after they've had um, their prostate removed um, because they do encounter that uncontrolled bladder at that time. And then also, too, if they're having um, painful sex or issues with erection. So, again, I deal with and everything below the skirt and below the belt. Um, so, and I think I'm there, I'm very passionate about this. I'm passionate because I was once that one in three women that has an issue of pelvic dysfunction. And my pelvic dysfunction was specifically uh, when it came to urinary incontinence. So I was that chick that, hey, I, I was holding everybody up in the group. I couldn't, we had every place we go, Tamara's finding that bladder, she had that bladder radar, right? Looking for the nearest bathroom to jet. Like I've been raining down my legs because I hear something, the you know, keys jingling or the raining outside or water running. I would have to use the restroom. And then not on top, on top of that, it was the component of if I would brush my tongue, I would leak the little squirt feeling, you know, so that reflex, right? Like if you laugh, cough or sneeze, any type of quick reflex, my bladder was so weak that it, my um, pelvic floor was so weak that it couldn't control. So just like I had that issue, I wanted to really step out. And that's what allowed me to go in the direction of pelvic um, rehabilitation because my final straw was one day I was coming home and I just completely peed my pants and like, okay, don't babies do that? No, grown folks do that as well. And grown folks do that because there's some type of problem. Is it very common? Yes. But is it normal? No. And that's what I'm definitely here to put that information out. Yes, I say that all the time. It might be common, but that doesn't mean it's normal. Right. I even had a discussion with my general practitioner because I had to go in for my yearly exam a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And I was just having that conversation with her. And she said, well, you know, well, it's it's normal. It's um, and I said, it's not normal. It's common. 
but it's not normal. Like you should know that we can get this, you know, and I was specifically talking about myself, you know, after three C-sections, you know, sometimes, you know, if I cough really hard or whatever, um, you know, there is some leakage issues. And again, they're, well, you know, it's, it's normal. It's not normal. So definitely thank you for bringing up that huge distinction that we have to change the verbiage around these things. Right, right. And I think just with anything, Amy, as you said, that conversation and, you know, sometimes not saying doctors don't know, but we know what we know. Like you specialize in what you specialize. I specialize in what I do. And there's some areas that we have some weaknesses, but I think we have the biggest thing is we have to become become proactive for ourselves. You know, the information's out there. The biggest thing I always tell it doesn't matter if it's a pelvic therapy patient, pelvic therapy patient, or it's just my good friend. Like at the end of the day, if there's something that you're not satisfied when it comes to your life if it's below the skirt below the belt just in general if don't settle for what you're not satisfied for and if you get some type of block get a second opinion you know get a second opinion I think that's the biggest thing and um people feel like oh okay well we should have this problem because we're pregnant no or we had babies like I had issues before having the baby. And my, I, I, I realized when I look back in my life, I remember going to a doctor, a urologist when I was in college and I would have periodic bedwetting. And that's embarrassing, you know, to talk about something like that. And I went and I was like, I'm grown. I shouldn't be doing this. I, I mean, I was the queen of knowing how to cover up stuff, right? You know, so you would know because you have a roommate there with you and you would periodically have that. And I went to the urologist and they offered me medication. Like, I'll just take the medication and you won't pee at night. And it wasn't all the time that I did it, but it would happen periodically. And, you know, that's something if you want to be intimate with someone, that's a convert that you don't want to be dealing with that. And long story short, he pretty much told me my nerves had not grown and I'm a full grown behind woman at the age of 19. And it was pretty much a Band-Aid. And I never took care of that problem then. So it became more of an issue after pregnancy. So it was just the foundation laid of bad work in, mm-hmm. you know, in preparation to have a baby. So again, that was like my whole story because it started before pregnancy. I didn't know how to do it, take care of it. There was not a lot of information out there, but now information is abundant. Um, so that's also too a part. I just want people to understand. I want you listening, understanding you don't have to settle for what you're dealing with. And right. if you don't like the answer, get a second opinion. Now people are giving more of the same information in your second and third opinions, then you may need to relook at it, but don't just settle for no. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know, the thing is one or two or three practitioners, they, you may be presenting with something that they have not ever experienced before. So even though, you know, maybe somebody is, you know, a pelvic floor physical therapist, but maybe they have never seen a patient with this specific issue. Right. Or, you know, maybe some, because, um, and and that's the thing. So, you know, one, oh, one OB is not all OBs. One, you know, gyno is not all gyno. So just, you know, again, like you said, reiterating the fact, don't just, okay, well, I saw one person and this is what they said. So now I have to settle. Keep on going until you feel like you've been heard for sure. Most definitely. definitely. And I think too, I think we also need to 
know our bodies. And sometimes we don't even know how our bodies function. So you see Virginia sitting right there. That's my sidekick. I always bring her up. Again, it's below the skirt with Tamara. And Virginia is our pelvis, right? Now, my male pelvis is called Peter, right? Get it? Peter, penis, Anna, Virginia. Okay. All right. But just to give a little tutorial to those who are tuning in, like you have three organs that sit within the pelvis. Now with these three organs, you have, and they're like soldiers in a line. You got your bladder and then you have your uterus. And if you've had a hysterectomy, the uterus may not be there. And then you have I just wanted to, I just want to remind you that some people are listening to this only on audio. So if you could just kind of like describe a little bit more of how they're placed for those who aren't seeing it. No problem. Just, just to let everybody know, um, Tamara has um, an amazing model that you should all be checking out and you can watch this podcast, um, on the YouTube channel, soul healing body work and wellness center. That is where you'll find the video. Um, but for those who are on audio, we'll just be a little bit more descriptive. Gotcha. Thank you for that. So, so we, so for those who are tuning in audio, again, there, there are three organs that sit within the pelvis. So we have the bladder that sits in front. We have the uterus that sits right behind the bladder, like in a line. And then we have the rectum where it sits right behind the uterus. Um, for men, you would have the bladder. And then like a kickstand, the prostate would sit under that bladder and behind that bladder, you would have your rectum. So man, you don't have as much leakage because you got a kickstand that sits under that bladder. But all of those organs sit in the pelvis and the pelvis are two bones connected to the lower back in the sacrum. And then you have your legs. It is like the mini brain of the lower body. Right. So those organs sit in the pelvic floor. Now, the pelvic floor has muscles, three layers of muscles. And within that is almost like a hammock, as you can say. And it's you can look at it through the top version and then from the bottom. But it's all muscles. Now, if those muscles are weak, then you're going to have some form of leakage. So if you laugh, cough, or sneeze, if you do something in that manner, you're going to leak. Men, you will leak if the pelvic floor is weak as well. Now, if you are having, um, so that's leakage. But if you're having that sense of I have to go to the restroom very frequently, right, then that's urge. And you may have urge, which is increasing frequency of how often you go. But then you may also have leakage because of urge and continent. So the sense of I got to go, I got to go right now, but I can't control it. So those two, there's two different, there's three different forms of incontinence. You have urge incontinence and you have stress incontinence. If you laugh, cough, or sneeze, if you exercise, if you jump, if you lift, weightlifters have that issue as well. They can have that issues, excuse me. And then you can have all three is which I had the mixed incontinence. So the biggest thing is just knowing there's just different forms of incontinence with when it comes to the pelvis. But if things are weak, you just need to strengthen it. It's just like your biceps. When you do an arm curl, if the muscle is weak, if it's lagging, it won't give the support to the organ how it needs to and you will leak. But I do want to say, if you want to strengthen it, if you're having issues with painful sex, right? That's what pelvic therapists work on too. If you don't want to just start strengthening the muscles below there, because then you don't strengthen a tight muscle. You got to relax the muscle first, get it stretched out and then work on strengthening. So if you're having painful sex, don't start strengthening. You need to work on relaxing it with relaxation techniques. Right. And that is a great point to bring up because a lot of times when people have any issue with their 
pelvic area, whether it's, you know, leakage or um, pain or pressure, they automatically think I have to do kegels and they just start doing kegels. But there is a wrong way to do kegels. And again, like you just said, kegels are strengthening. So that's not necessarily the proper route to go. First, just be examined so that you know what you're dealing with. And that means going to a pelvic floor physical therapist. Right, right. And then to also look at your signs, look at your own symptoms, you know, it's like, okay, I'm having painful sex, right? Pain sex should not be painful. It should not be painful with inserting insertion, nor should it be painful with during thrusting component, unless, you know, you're just going all ham or something, but you know, long story short, general sex should not be uncomfortable. Then if you're having issues with constipation, Yes, you may be seeing your GI doctor, but pelvic floor, again, that rectum deals with the bowels. So you may be sluggish the way which you're eating, or you may be sluggish because of um, decreased range of motion. So when it comes to that digestive system, we help with constipation. There's many reasons why you have constipation. If you're dealing with endometriosis, you know, can we take away that problem? No, but we can help decrease the symptoms that you may be having because of all the issues that come. So if it's painful sex, if it's incontinence, if it's constipation, we help with that um, as well. So any issue below the skirt, depending on how, how high you wear your skirt or how, how low you wear your skirt, we work with pregnancy problems, issues with pain. Yes, you're going to have discomfort being pregnant, but the pain and discomfort or things, issues that have changed that weren't there before pregnancy, that may be just more exacerbated and we can help calm down the exacerbation of your problem. But we, yeah, so we do, we do all of that. We do all of that. Yeah, that's amazing. That's wonderful. I remember when I was pregnant with my first child, I ended up with round ligament pain. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't know what that was. It was horrible. It was horrible. It was worse than labor. I was about five and a half months along and the doctors kept coming in and pushing on it. They were trying to decide if it was appendicitis and if I had to go to surgery. Oh my gosh. It was the worst thing ever. And I don't know if, you know, if that is something that you could help with, but it was or it was horrible. I just basically cried for two days. <laughs> so to answer your question, yes. I same thing. I went to the ER. I thought I was in labor. You know, it was my first baby. Didn't know what the world I was doing, girl. Didn't know what I was doing. I know. And I'm like, I know I'm about to have this baby. I'm about to have this baby. No ligament pain like if this is ligament pain what in the world is delivery gonna be like what is that gonna be so I changed my mind (laughs) right I changed my mind how do I tap out right how do I tap out but white flag on this one right but I, I think it's again I became a pelvic therapist after my after my babies you know my youngest is eight um but yes we help there's different support you can use because those ligaments are being stretched out because of that relaxing hormone. Right. And with it being relaxed, things are, things are not stable. Things are not stable. So the biggest thing is working on stability because you can strengthen. And we, I highly encourage my um, clients, my um, pregnancy clients. Yes, you can work on strengthening, but there's certain things too, not besides strengthening. There's mechanical things that we are doing. That's putting tension on some of these ligaments that, because they're not able to support the bony structure as, you know, as they are, 
as they were, what happens is we put a strain, we inflame them more than they need to. So we do work a lot on mechanical modifications as well. Awesome. Yeah, man. It's a lot. And it's, it's a lot that, you know, I think like where we see where information is now versus 10 years ago or 15, 20 years is so different. And I think the biggest thing is anything that comes with women's health or men's health is just so off. Like it's conversations that we used to couldn't have. Right. But it's conversations we need. Like I'm looking at this little sign that I have. Right. And what he said, it says, I laughed so hard, tears ran down my leg. (laughs) Now, before that would have been like, oh no, right? But now, like we make jokes of it. And sometimes we have to take these um, real life things and put a little, soften it up a a little because to make us feel more comfortable. Because what? We all have a vagina. We all have a penis, right? Um, I'm not sure of anybody that walks around that doesn't, right? Yeah, have one or the other, yeah. We're going to have, we're (laughs) going to have some good times with those things and we're going to have some bad times with those things. You know, it's just a matter of when, where, or how. But we need to also know if we have a problem, it's okay it, but it's okay because now you need to get the help that you need. Right. You don't have to live in silence about it, you know, because it can be depending on how much it yeah. is. It can be kind of isolating and embarrassing, but. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I always tell the story of, I worked with a woman who was 85 and she was very proud to be 85. She cussed like a sailor. She had <laughs> a horrific incontinence issue And she was so embarrassed by it that she wouldn't even tell her doctor because she was so embarrassed. She couldn't tell her friends because no one else peed their pants as much as she did. She was literally going every 90 minutes, 24 seven. And sometimes she would sit up and it would just run out. And um, I looked at her and I said, you're 85. All of your friends are peeing their pants. (laughs) All of them are, you know, you're 85. Um, but I said, this can be helped. This can be fixed. And I said, the thing is, you've got to talk to your doctor. So her issue, she told me that her issue started 40 years prior when she had a surgery in the mid thoracic area of her spine. And I thought, well, if this is a nerve issue, then I may not be able to help much, you know. Um, but after just doing the visceral manipulation for 30 minutes, Um, Because she's too painful to do an hour. She just couldn't handle doing an hour. Um, She came back the following week and told me she slept for four hours straight. And she said that she had not slept for four hours since her surgery. Wow. And then after three half hour sessions, she was only getting up one time a night. And I tell people, if you think of just her finally getting adequate sleep, how that changes her whole life quality of life you know so I mean she went from being like a self-imposed shut-in to going out to lunch with her friends again and going to a movie with her friends again and she called me and she was excited because she sat through lunch and a movie and didn't have to pee once and I'm like that is life-changing it is it is and because it really affects people's quality of life you know and everything no matter what it is it always begins the heart may want to do something, but the mind controls. It's like the beginning of everything. That mind is before the heart. If you look at the system of how it works, in my opinion, that's I'm kind of going with what I think. Um, but 
again, so once you changed her mindset because you fixed help with her problem, she felt like she could break through some barriers to do things, to live her life more abundantly. So, you know, kudos to you, Amy, on that. Cause that, I mean, you changed her world, you know, in that, in that situation. And, you know, you did mention that, you know, at 85, a lot of people are having, you know, maybe all having incontinence. Everybody isn't having incontinence, but it's, 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 it's more common. You know, it's definitely more common. Um, well, and that but, was the point I was trying to make. Yeah, and she was yeah. certainly of the personality type where I could yeah. say that. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that to somebody that I didn't know. But, again, my point was exactly that, that it has just become so accepted that it's, that you know, it's it's common. It's been accepted to be normal. So I'm like, right. they're all, they all are, you know, because, you know, the, nobody's going to run around and talk about it. How many times do you pee your pants? How many times do you pee your pants? You know, <laughs> perfect example. Like I had um, one of my um, recent older clients. She was in her late sixties, almost seventy. Actually, she actually just turned seventy during the session during that time. And her biggest thing is she had, had she had four babies, had C sections, was leaking, back pain, sciatica, you know, all of that because of instability because she had a prolapse. Um, her doctor wanted her to have talked about her having surgery. She didn't want to have surgery, so we did pelvic therapy, but she was very very consistent you know, with her exercise is very compliant. Um, And I usually see people typically for depending upon, usually about once a week, depending on what's going on with them. And she was coming in after about seven weeks, that prolapse where her, um, where it was descending out of her vagina, out of her vaginal opening, you could actually just see it. It was to the point it was not showing anymore, you know, from a functional standpoint, but people can visualize that. And it was now with the uterus, not, with it not dropping down and it was actually in the, you know, it, it was not visual anymore. She was not having back pain anymore. She was not having sciatica, pain, numbness down the legs. She, and she was not having the back pain, and, but it just all worked on strengthening. So again, she thought she would have to continue on, but it wasn't the case. It's just sometimes you just got to find some other conservative measures that can work like with your visceral manipulation or, you know, pelvic, those are conservative measures that you can get that can allow you to truly live the best life below your skirt or below your belt. Absolutely. And the other thing too, that I talk a lot about and try to teach my clients about is fascia and the huge role that fascia plays in the, just the general function of our body. And, you know, it really hit home to me when I had pelvic health clients and then were, they were later coming to me after, you know, a couple of sessions and telling me that their plantar fasciitis is lessened, their shoulder pain is gone, their migraines don't come anymore. When I'm not rubbing, I mean, I'm literally working on your pelvic and hip and glute muscle area. I'm not working on your shoulder or I'm not, you know, and, and what, what is the link to me? The link is number one, we're detoxing the body because I'm working deep. I mean, I'm squishing those organs. So some stuff's going to be released, but also the fascia. Mm-hmm. We don't, we don't work on that enough because people don't understand what it is for one thing. So, yeah. um, and that obviously is going to, you know, be incorporated into your job too. Most definitely. And I mean, just look at it. It's like, if you think of fascia, think about like a piece of chicken thigh, you know, you've got the skin, then you got that gooey layer, you know, that gooey layer is like that fascia. And then you got the meat, like the good part, the juicy part of the chicken. Okay. Focus, Tamara, focus. So 
that, but that fashion is under that skin. So if you don't have that flexibility and that, um, for it to have some mobility, things get stiff, right? right? So again, you can't just work on the outer skin, but you can't just work on the meat, which is the muscle. You got to get in between that layers. It's just like the pelvic floor, the three layers of the cake. You can't just work on one layer, but mm-hmm. not get to all three. So again, what you're doing increases that blood flow, increases, you know, the mobility, flexibility, because, hey, I can have a, a good muscle, but if the skin's tight, it's not going to bulge, right? It's like surgery. If you cut something, like it becomes, de- has decreased mobility. And with decreased mobility, you may have the, mob- the range in the joint, or you may have the flexibility within the muscle, but the skin and those other outer layers are preventing you to see what you really can do. So what you do is very, very important and vital to mobility and getting things going. It's like lotion. Motion right. is lotion. So, yeah. Well, and the other thing too is I always, you know, want to let people know that I don't do anything internal. So, the pelvic floor physical therapists are the people that, you know, I am referring to all the time. And unfortunately, there are only two in my area for a while. <laughs> so, it's, it's definitely not this. And this is always something that I think about, but I never say. So, I decide I'm just going to start saying it. I really want to encourage women to go into women's healthcare because there are so few men that want to be working and, you know, internally on women's pelvic floors. <laughs> and I don't, you know, and there are a lot of women that would not be okay with that. Um, I certainly wouldn't. So definitely that is something that I would love to encourage, you know, any, anybody hearing me is just encourage those um, young ladies to go into women's health. <laughs> Because I mean, I think when my daughter was having a little something going on, and luckily it was it was something small, like just seeing a dermatologist, I was not going to send her to a male dermatologist. I was looking like a female because you know at her age she does not right. Nobody needs to be dealing with her, you know. Yeah. Even if it's just to her inner thigh or her knee, I just I prefer women with certain things. So I think we feel more comfortable. I know I do with somebody who. Sometimes it has the parts of me, right? (laughs) Exactly. Like, I mean, that's, I'm not going to go to a Honda dealership to buy, I would ideally buy a Honda from a Honda dealership. I'm not going to buy a, ideally a Honda from Toyota, even though they may have it, they may do good work, right? But I want to go who understands my, what I'm feeling. So I, I, I push people, you know, go into a field, women's health or men's health, you know? But we need we need that type of help and that type of education. Um, so, yeah, you hit that right on the head. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah, and definitely, and for men going to pelvic health too, because I think from what I understand, and just from I haven't done like a ton of research like internationally or nationally, but I mean, you know, here in the tri-state area, most of the most of the by and large, the um, pelvic floor physical therapists are women. There just aren't enough of them, so we do need men to go into that field too. Oh yes, specifically, right? Yeah. Very specifically, we we do because I know when I when I've taken my classes, if there's a class of like 50, 50 therapists, typically you see more pelvic physical therapists than occupational therapists. Um, but when you are in those classes, I've never been in a class that has had a male in there. Yeah, interesting. Not one. So, um, but you, again, you know, one in three women have an issue. Right something pelvic dysfunction, urinary incontinence. So um, you're going to see that more. Um, So 
but I definitely think not saying it's an up and coming thing. No, it's something that should have been long here, but sure. thankfully we're here. Um, but I think women, like if you go to different countries, different countries, a part of their protocol is for you to be assessed by a pelvic therapist after pregnancy. And where I'm at, definitely collaborating with um, OBs and, you know, urologists, specifically OBGYNs, because a lot of issues comes during pregnancy. But women think, okay, you need to, when I, in different cultures, speak different things. I can say for my culture, it's like, no, when you're pregnant, you just need to kind of get your body ready to do the, do the, have the big day or whatever, if it's C-section or if it's vaginal. But our body's taking a different type of toll, right? We're carrying more weight. We're carrying more fluids. We're carrying so much. So we become more sedentary, right. you know? My doctor said, hey, Tamara, go, you need to put some pounds on. Girl, I was going to Pizza Hut every day to get an order of cheese sticks. <laughs> yeah. So bad, right? Wasn't <laughs> exercising when I, you know, by my previous life, I was an athlete in college, you know? But again, we need to be, I think we've been misguided from the community because of not having information. Right. When you're pregnant, you need to be exercising, right? Right. Exercising your body, your yeah. whole body, but you need to be walking that pelvic floor After, and getting it prepared. We do perennial stretches, teaching women how to stretch the vaginal opening in preparation for delivery. Then after postpartum, we're working on scar tissue mobilization because that scar tissue can get pretty intense there. Every woman goes through diastasis recti during the third trimester of pregnancy. That's abdominal separation. So then you know, when we, mm -hmm. I didn't even know that I had that until I took my pelvic floor training and I was the dummy for the class. And the doctor was like, Hey, feel this everybody. And I'm like, what, what are we feeling? So then I came back because at the time I was working with a personal trainer and I was telling her about it. And I'm like, you know, I'm not supposed to be doing these, this exercise and this exercise. And she's like, I have never even thought to ask about this. And I'm like, what? So and I'm you like, you gotta ask now because you could be damaging people and not even obviously unintentionally. But if when you don't know, you don't know. That's why you have to seek out information from a lot of different sources. Right. Not just one. Right. And, yeah. you know, as I'm going through my journey right now, I'm in the process of getting my personal personal training certification awesome. because I realize a lot of us don't know what problems we have. So sometimes we have to tackle it from a cosmetic. You know, people want to get healthy. They want to exercise their body. They want their body to look whatever they want their body to look like, you know, but sometimes you have to come at it cosmetically because then to bring to people's attention, you know, what problems you have that you didn't think that you have you know, or that may be underlying. So yes, diastasis recti. So just a little throw something out there to you. You know, if, you, if you're laying on your back, and you take your fingers and take them horizontally and put them over your belly button. You just lift your head and shoulders a few inches, maybe three inches off the floor if you're able to. If you notice there is, you can put your fingers nice and cozy in there. You have about a two centimeters separation. If you could put three fingers in there. Some of my women, I think you put a whole fist in there. That is just how much the muscles have stretched. And every pregnancy that you have, it becomes more prominent. Right. If you haven't addressed it before, um, but then you take your fingers to go two inches below the belly button and then two inches above the belly button. And then you're checking where there is a weakness in that tissue mm -hmm. 
of the abdominals coming together. So is it the focus to bring the um, diastases, bring those abdominal muscles together, right? You want to make sure you can keep them stabilized when you're lifting, keep them stabilized when you're doing certain things. You may not be able to bring it all the way together, but the most important part is a weakness in that separation means there's instability, which can cause the issue of back pain over time. So, you know, that's not always a focus of bringing the stomach muscles together, but we need to be able to engage to give you that stabilization. So you won't have an injury or um, cause some other issues. Like I can name a million, but come. Um, so again, working on that day's diastasis, recti strengthening of those muscles. And then, you know, you getting back to having sex is nerve wracking. You know, some of the men, I know how my husband was, he was a hawk waiting for me to get to that six week appointment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, but you're not, okay. Did I have a vaginal tear? Were you the one that had a perennial tear or a episiotomy done? Okay. First initiation is those muscles going to be, are those are those layers going to be loosened enough to receive penetration, you know? And so that, so in our mind, yeah, we, we may be there. Some of us may be just ready to go with you. We were waiting, but then some of us are like, Oh my gosh, I tore down there. I had a hemorrhoid. Stay away for like a whole nother month, buddy. Right. Right. So, and that's actually had a friend in nursing school who had an incredibly, incredibly traumatic birth. Yeah, And um, thankfully her son did not have any brain damage because they had to use forceps in the vacuum. And yeah. and um, the first time that her and her husband tried to have sex afterwards, like there was no getting in. Like it was almost mm. completely closed. Like it right. was so, it was so awful. And then they treated her with a few different things. It's It's been a long time. So I don't remember everything, but I remember her saying that one of the things was estrogen cream Mm-hmm. And then um, they couldn't have penetrative sex, well, penile penetration because, or the yeah, because they didn't want him to get estrogen on him. So it was like this really long process, and I just remember her, just I mean, it was it was I mean, it was probably a good year and a half, two years. I mean, it was a long process, and they they got pregnant again, which of course they immediately scheduled a C section. Um, but she did have, she ended up having a couple of issues after that. But my thought process is, you know, she may have been okay physically, but what about energetically? Massive trauma and emotionally massive trauma. So your work and my work, even though it may not be intentional, you can have an emotional release because there's a lot of trauma held in that area. Most definitely. Most definitely. And then as women, we carry our stress down there. We right. do. And fear. Um, fear is in the hips. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's definitely there. And, you know, you can be, I mean, if a woman's not there connected or feeling in a lot of ways, she's thinking about, shoot, I got to get the kids ready for school tomorrow. And, you know, sometimes we're not really focused on that. And it, and you can tell, you know, during right. sex and it's uncomfortable to her or he can notice a difference. Um, but yeah, like, it's almost like PTSD. I, I'm not diagnosing her because I can't do that. Right. But, but this, that was a very traumatic situation. And then over time, you know, the, the not being able to be sexually active, you know, that tech puts a toll on people's relationships. And I know when I've had women come in and there's like, I just can't have sex. It's like, okay, I mean, 
I refer them to sex therapists as well, too, you know, because they are typically a lot of them are mental health counselors, you know, yeah. and with that. Um, but, you know, the biggest thing is just teaching them how can we open up this vaginal opening to receive Right. Right. Um, so we work on different techniques for that. And they have assignments that they have to do in the process of co- being, you know, collaborating with their OB or, you know, their um, urogynecologist. You know, we do um, have treatment for that. And in, in the meantime, I have those open conversations like, you know what, you and your husband, y'all or your significant other or whatever you do it. Y'all gonna have to get it on another way. We're gonna have to be creative. Yeah. But have that talk. But that's all I can do because that's not my area of expertise. And I refer sure. them to like a therapist or something. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Well, we've covered a ton of ground. <laughs> so before we blow everybody's brains, um, yeah. why don't you let everybody know how to contact you? And again, all of Tamara's information will be in the show notes. But I always give people a chance to, you know. Yeah. Well, you can contact me in Virginia mm-hmm. at below the skirt and with Instagram, um, below the skirt underscore Tamara, T-A-M-A-R-A, um, at below the skirt with Tamara underscore. And you can also um, reach me through my, um, my business page, but you can, if you go to Instagram, Contact information is in there. Um, I'm releasing my um, my signature course, um, Leaky Faucets, Tackling Urge Incontinence. So if you are having that issue, men or female, men or woman, if you're having that sense of having to go to the restroom all the time, you can't hold your bladder, you know, longer than two to three hours. If you're having to, if you're going to the restroom more than five to eight times during wake hours, from wake hours from eight in the morning or six in the morning to 10 at night, or if you're going to the restroom more than one time in the middle of the night, you're having urgency. So it fixes that and it works on origin continents if you can't control that. And then also um, in the fall, I'll be hosting my um, post baby core and more um, live event that I do twice a year. Um, so that's what I, but if you go into my bio, all that information is there when you go into Instagram. Okay, awesome. Well, thanks for your time today. I appreciate it. Yes, it's been great, Amy. Thank you for joining me today on Women's Pelvis Wellness, where you can be heard. Because remember, if you're not being heard, you're not being helped. Please join my Facebook group by the same name, Women's Pelvis Wellness, and join a community of women who are there for you to support you, guide you, and love you through your pelvic health struggles. Also, this is a great place to check out my new class schedule. Thank you for joining me in becoming a pelvis wellness warrior.